Lord, we pray that you would open your word to us tonight. Help us to learn how you want us to be as a community. Please teach us here this evening and we'll be grateful. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. A few months ago, as I was introducing and welcoming people to worship, in one of the morning services, I said something like, we're here to experience God's presence. And when I said that, there was a little three-year-old girl in the congregation who lit up like a Christmas tree and said, presents? We're going to get presents? I think she imagined that the roof was going to open up and God was going to rain presents down on everyone, which would make church pretty cool if you think about it. Metaphorically speaking, I don't think she's that far off for why we gather together. I mean, certainly one of the reasons we come here, the most important reason, is to give our praise to God. But if you're anything like me, you also come to church hoping to receive something. I come hoping I get to hear music that will lift my soul, hoping I get a sermon that inspires me. I hope to feel some sense of connection to God, and I hope to do all that in 59 minutes or less. A little longer here in the evening service because we add on communion. But So why are you here, and what are you hoping to get? This is the last sermon in a series we've been doing on relationships that give us life. We've talked about things like friendship, marriage, parenting, mentoring, our relationship to Christ. And tonight I want to talk about our relationship with the church. Because I think our relationship with the church is meant to be life-giving. In the Bible, the church is described as the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. And just like a hand or a foot can't survive if it's separated from the body, we can't survive spiritually if we are not in Christian community. Now, I know that because the church church is meant to give us life. Now, before I go any further, I want to say I know that the church doesn't always give life. I know that many of you have been hurt by churches in the past, maybe even hurt by this one. And sometimes that happens. And that, that shouldn't surprise us because the ticket for admission to get into the church, after all, is that we are all sinners in need of God's grace. And so sometimes we hurt each other. But that is not what God intends. And it's also not what always happens. What God wants for the church is that it becomes a life-giving community. And it can do so in a couple of ways. And the first, and maybe the most important, is this. The church gives us life because it points to Jesus, who loves us just as we are and not as we should be. Recently, I was talking with a man who doesn't go to church, and he asked me what I did for a living, and I hate that question, because the answer always kills the conversation instantly. So I said, I'm a pastor, and after we got over the long, awkward pause, he said, hmm, pastor, huh? Well, one thing I know for sure, if I ever set foot in a church, I'd be struck by lightning, I'm so sinful. And that, that statement just breaks my heart, because that is the exact opposite of what church is meant to be. Church is meant to be a place where we point each other to Jesus, who loves us just as we are and not as we should be, and who forgives us and helps us become all that God created us, us to be. You know how some people t- pick verses out of the Bible for their life verse? You want to know what my life verse is? It comes out of 1 Timothy. And it's this. Here is a saying that is trustworthy and true. Christ Jesus died for sinners 
of which I am the chief. Kind of a funny life verse for a pastor to have, isn't it? I mean, other people pick powerful life verses. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Me, I'm the chief of sinners. That's my life verse. And I'm welcome here. So if even the pastor is welcome here, you are too. And in a world where we are constantly judged by how much education we have or don't have, judged about how thin we are or how old we are or how rich we are, in such a world, the church gives us life by pointing us to Jesus who loves us just as we are and not as we should be. The second way the church gives us life is church is meant to be a caring community that supports us. In the passage we just read, we see the early Christians caring for each other. They sold all that they had and gave to people who had need. It was a very radical form of community. It wasn't communism because they still retained the right to their property, but it was a very caring community. And we are still called to be that kind of caring community for each other. And we do it in all kinds of ways. Every Sunday, some of the money that you put in the plate goes to people who have real needs, both in this church and outside, beyond this church. We also care for each other individually. I know several members in this congregation who have had their medical bills paid for when they couldn't afford it by other people who go to this church. I was recently talking with a couple from our church whose three-year-old son died many years ago. And they said one week after their little boy died, they went and joined the new members class to become members here at the church. That doesn't seem at first like the first thing you would want to do if you'd lost a child. But they said that they received so much love and care from that class that those people came around them and prayed for them, listened to them, supported them, made them dinners. And as they were telling me their story, they said, how do people survive something like that? if they don't have a church to belong to. This, this same couple happens to babysit my children for my wife and I about once or twice a month, which, believe me, that's a caring community when people babysit for you. And look what God has done in their lives. I have a son who's three years old. And they get to enter his life when he's the same age that their son was when their son died. And that has been very healing for them. And it means that the caring is going both ways. It's reciprocal. God is caring for them through my children, even as they are caring for us by babysitting us, babysitting for our kids. And I know hundreds of stories like that in this church. In fact, one of the things I love about this church is it is one of the best caring communities I've ever been a part of. And not just in the hard times, but in the good times, too. Last year, when, when Lucy was born... The outpouring of love that Christine and I received from you was overwhelming. We were so grateful for it. In, the, in a world where we can so often feel alone, the church gives us life by caring for us when we need it. And the only thing we need to do to receive that care is simply to show up, stick around, and get involved so that people can know who you are. Get in a small group. Be part of some ministry here. Go to church camp so that people can know who you are so that we can care for one another. The church is meant to be a life-giving relationship where we find support and care. And finally, the church gives us life
by helping us to grow to become all that God created us to be. Help us to grow. You know, healthy living things grow. And if we're not growing spiritually and in our character, then we're dying. And our job together as a community is to encourage each other to do the things that will help us grow spiritually and become all that God created us to be. And we do that in all kinds of ways, by praying for each other, by loving each other, by supporting each other, but also by encouraging one another to do some of the hard disciplines that are necessary for spiritual growth to happen. That's right, I said discipline. It's not necessarily a bad word. It can be very helpful. Disciplines help us grow. And our job together is to encourage one another to do things like serve in Jesus' name so we can see him more clearly. Give some of our money to God's purposes so we can be free from materialism and so that we can see God provide for us. Our job is to encourage one another to spend time in prayer and scripture so we can know God and limit our schedules so we can have Sabbath rest. Now, some of those things, I will admit, are hard to do at first, but they do help us grow, and that's why we need each other, to encourage us to do the things that are necessary to help us grow spiritually. In the story that Terry read, the early Christians were selling all their property and, and giving away their money to those who were in need. I'm just guessing here, but something tells me that didn't come naturally at first. And that's why they met together. So that they could encourage one another to become everything that God created them to be. And in this way, a church is really kind of like a coach. You know, a coach's job is to get you to do some hard things like practice and work out so that you can become who you want to be, an athlete. And sometimes our job is to encourage one another to do a few hard things so that we can grow spiritually. I had my first golf lesson on Wednesday. I've never really golfed before. I, I run, lift weights, swim, climb mountains, but golf has always seemed to me, well, stupid. Such a little hole, so far away. How's the ball supposed to get there? But I have decided that I need to learn to play golf so that I can be a real senior pastor. <laughs> Every senior pastor I know plays golf. I want to be a good senior pastor, so I'm taking golf lessons. Honestly, what I do for you people. <laughs> Hope you feel cared for. And I have a coach who happens to go to this church. So I'm just hoping he doesn't hear me say anything inappropriate one day. And his job is to get me to do some hard things so that I can become the person I want to become, a real senior pastor. So he makes me, I had my first lesson on Wednesday, he made me get in these really uncomfortable positions and swing the club in totally counterintuitive ways. But he was very caring about it, very pastoral. He kept saying things like, good job, well done. Way to go! Even though the ball was moving in a manner more reminiscent of bowling than golfing. But every once in a while, I would hit the ball. And it would go in approximately the direction I wanted it to go, with some semblance of velocity and speed. And when I hit it, it made this wonderful sound. You know the sound, you, people who golf, this, this wonderful clicking kind of sound of solid contact. That's a great sound. And when I did that, I'd think, this is fun. I wonder if I could do that again. 
And then I'd say to myself, no, stop. This is how the addiction begins. <laughs> Quit now. <laughs> the church's job is similar to my golf coach's job. To encourage one another to do a few hard things so that we can grow and become everything God created us to be. Now, we don't do that in a judgmental way. We don't do that in a mean-spirited way, but in an encouraging, loving way, like my golf coach. You know what? I think all of us want that. I think we all want to grow, to get closer to God, even if we're not sure we believe in Him yet. We'd like to figure that out. We want to get out of our cells rather than focus on our own anxieties. We, we want to be more trusting and less fearful. We want to be free from materialism. And we need coaches and encouragers to help us grow. And that's what we can be for each other. And even though sometimes some of the things we have to do in order to grow are hard, it's not all misery. Some of those things can actually be fun as well. The best times I have had in my life have been times that I have been serving God. Honestly, that is not pastoral spin control. It's kind of like my golf lesson. Yes, some of it was hard, but that sound when the club hit the ball, that's a great sound. It was fun. Find someone who can encourage you in your spiritual growth and help you do some of the hard things that will help you become all that God created you to be. And in a world that so often doesn't care if we reach our potential or not, the church is life-giving when we, in a loving way, help each other to grow spiritually. Years ago, I worked as an intern in a college ministry. And my boss there made me do things that were hard for me. He made me, he wanted me to meet with ten new people every week. And for shy boy here, that was pretty tough. He also made me create fun social events for the college students. And the problem is I don't have the spiritual gift of fun. So that was kind of hard for me too. And I would just resist him. I fought him constantly. I'd say, I don't want to meet ten new people a week. That's shallow. I want to go deep with just a few people. Nice excuse, right? Put some theology around my excuses. And I'd say, why do we need fun events? We don't, we, what, church shouldn't be fun. We don't need fun. And he was wonderful. He would, he would listen to me. He'd pray for me. He'd encourage me. He constantly said, you can do this, Scott. And this is good for you. Because you're kind of shy and this is going to hold you back. So this is good for you and you can do this. Don't worry, it'll be okay. Well, 15 years later, I became a college pastor. And at first, I tried to do everything my way. You know, no fun, no humor, serious, earnest, deep. And boy, did that fail. And then I realized that I had another set of tools in my tool drawer. Things that he had taught me. Things that I had learned from my former boss. So I tried those things out, and what do you know, they worked. Well, a few years later, I had some students and, and several interns of my own who, who were working for me who didn't like my ministry style. In fact, they didn't like it for the same reasons I didn't like my former bosses. And they would give me all the same arguments I gave him. You know, this isn't deep enough. I don't want to do this. And every time I'd have one of these conversations, I'd think of my former boss and all the grief that I gave him. So finally, I hadn't talked to him for 15 years. I called him up out of the blue and I said, Hey, Denny, this is Scott Dudley, your former intern. He said, Hey, Scott, how are you? I said, Denny, I just have two things I want to say to you. 
I'm sorry and you were right. I am so sorry and you were so right. And he just started laughing and he said, yeah, <laughs> I heard you were doing college ministry. <laughs> He'd been waiting for that for 15 years. He was so life-giving to me. He saw potential in me and wanted to develop it, and he did. And all of those new people he made me meet with every week, that taught me how to reach out, get beyond my shyness, a skill I was going to need in the years to come. But he also cared for me. He prayed for me. He supported me. Whenever I did anything well, he was my greatest cheerleader. And he pointed me to Jesus, reminding me that God loved me even if I did feel a little insecure. And in some of those meetings that he forced me to have with all of those new people, I saw God in some amazing ways. As I prayed with those people, as I listened to their stories, even got, in, even got to introduce a few of them to Jesus. The church gives us life when it points us to Jesus who loves us just as we are and not as we should be, when we care for each other and when we encourage each other to grow spiritually. You know, historians are constantly puzzled as to why Christianity grew so quickly in the first century. In spite of persecution, repression, lack of resources, it grew. Why? And the answer they always come up with is because Christians loved each other in some really amazing and radical ways. And in a world where it is so hard to find love, that was and still is very attractive. And the only place that that has ever happened, the only place that kind of community has ever happened on a consistent basis in all of human history is in the Church of Jesus Christ. And the reason it's only happened there is because only Jesus can make it happen. Without Him, this is impossible, but with Him, we can be this kind of community. When you hear the word church, what comes to mind? A building, an institution, Ceremonies and sermons, or people? I have some friends whose kitchen walls are plastered with photographs. Pictures of them when they were younger, of their kids, friends, family. For me, that's a better image of what church is about. What should come to my mind when I hear the word church is faces. Lots of faces of people who have loved me and cared for me and encouraged me over the years in all the churches I've been a part of. People who have pointed me to Jesus, who have supported me, who have helped me grow. You see, the little girl that I told you about at the beginning of the sermon, she was right. We come to church to experience God's presence, but also to receive his presence, the gifts he wants to give us, one of the best of which is each other. You know, I know that some of you have been burned by churches in the past, maybe even burned badly, I don't know. But my hope for you is that you would find a healing community here so that in a world that constantly judges us, we would point each other to Jesus who loves us just as we are. And in a world where it is so easy to feel alone, we would care for each other and support each other. And in a world that doesn't care whether or not we reach our potential, we would encourage each other to grow, to become all that God created us to be. And with Jesus' help, we can do that. So that all of King County and beyond looks at us and says, that is different. That is really different in a very attractive way. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you 
long for us to be in this kind of community with each other. Lord, we give you thanks for that. We ask that you would knit us together closer and closer, that you would bind our hearts in Christian love, and that what holds us together would be you and nothing but you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.